Hello and welcome back to the Gubba podcast. I'm Gubba, a first-time homesteader following in the footsteps of my homesteading forebearers. In this podcast, I discuss prepping, homesteading, and everything in between. Today, I'm going to be talking about goat care and how to keep goats on your homestead. I did a podcast two years ago going over dairy goats versus dairy cows, and in the end, I shared how I was going to be getting a dairy cow. Well, fast forward two years and I no longer have a dairy cow, and I have dairy goats, six of them. I love them. And when I say I love them, I absolutely love them. And I want to share with you everything I have experienced with goats so you can decide if they are right for you in your homestead. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved my dairy cow. She was amazing. Also, if you didn't know, I have a website, gubbahomestead.com that is filled with recipes, homesteading guides, and all kinds of preservation and food storage tips. So if you are ever wanting to learn more about a homesteading subject, head on over and let's get started. So two years ago, I dove into the differences of dairy cows and dairy goats while trying to make a decision on which one would be my first homestead dairy animal. And after careful consideration, I ultimately decided that getting a dairy cow would be right for me. I love that the milk wasn't naturally homogenized so I could scoop the cream off and make butter. I loved how they gave a ton of milk. I love raw milk. I also love that cows are supposedly more respectful of fences. So I dove head first into it and got a Jersey dairy cow. Her name was Moo. She was beautiful, but not quite what I was expecting. Again, I had no idea what to expect because I had never grown up with a dairy cow. A few weeks prior to even getting her, I had hand milked my neighbor's dairy cow for the first time. So everything was new and fresh to me. I had prepared for her to the best my ability under the guidance of people I knew who had dairy cows like my neighbors. They were a plethora of knowledge. And so that is an example of community and how your community can help you learn new skills. And for me, they were helping me learn how to keep and take care and get prepared for a dairy cow. But I quickly discovered that a dairy cow was not a right fit for my homestead. This may sound amazing to some, but for me, it was not a good fit. She gave three to five gallons of milk a day. Yes, a day. Now, with a large family, that would be incredible. The most ideal milk cow. You could have enough milk to drink, plus extra for butter, cheese, ice cream, and other dairy products. Unfortunately, I quickly became inundated with milk. I could have maybe started to sell it, but to be honest, I didn't want to deal with the hassle of selling products direct from my farm. Micro family-led dairies are popping up all over the place where raw milk is is legal and people are purchasing raw milk and getting shares, but that just wasn't something I was ready for. And I don't know if it's something I would even want to do. Maybe one day I ended up trading raw milk for my neighbor's strawberries in the summer and it was lovely. I absolutely love that. They'd come over, I'd fill up their little jugs with milk. They'd bring me bags of strawberries and they were some of the best strawberries I have ever had. She has a big family, so they were able to take gallons of milk for me. So that helped me with my milk maintenance. 
And sweet little Moo ended up going to a family with like six kids. And I even got a message after Moo was there for a bit saying how much they loved her and she's the perfect cow for them. So it was meant to be. I am just so happy for them because again, if I had a big family, she would have been perfect. Another thing about dairy cows is, well, they are a bigger animal. Catching them, treating them for ailments and managing them can be more difficult than a smaller animal like goats. And well, catching goats is another story, but we will get to that, you know, chasing them around the area, but they are easier to manage in my opinion. After my dairy cow had given birth to twins, I had to keep an eye on her after birth, which is fetal membranes or retained placenta material and make sure she didn't get any infections as her afterbirth took longer than normal to detach and be expelled. Veterinarians want to intervene and pull her afterbirth out, but I just didn't feel right about that. So I managed it myself with herbs and other supplements for Moo to make sure she didn't get sick. She was getting what she needed and corralling a big cow for drenches, especially when she has calves, can be quite the experience. Of course, my setup may not have been the most optimal as what someone may have who has had cows before or experience with them or has a cow farm. So consider your setup. And after spending months with my beloved dairy cow, I had come to the hard realization that a dairy cow just wasn't right for my homestead at the moment and my setup. She ended up, like I said, going to another farmer who had this amazing, beautiful family. And I'm just so happy to know that she went to a great home where those three to five gallons of milk a day would be no issue because raw milk is like gold, right? If I could have used it, I would have. But I, I mean, I was even making kefir. I was making cheese. I was freeze drying it and I still had so much milk. Even with calf sharing when the babies came, I was overwhelmed with milk. So fast forward to last year, I had the dairy animal itch again. I wanted a dairy animal on my homestead. I love raw milk. I had tried a cow and realized it wasn't a fit, but I hadn't tried goats. I'd been so deterred of goats because every goat owner had told me how the males smell so bad, how they test the fence, they get out. So the goat owners were saying this, plus the people who didn't like goats. And I was just deterred because they didn't give as much milk, which I know now is a better fit for me. And because their milk is naturally homogenized, meaning the cream and milk are together and don't separate, and that makes it difficult to make butter, I decided I wanted to give goats a try regardless. And after months of researching dairy goats and deciding what I wanted, I landed on Nigerian dwarf goats. What sold me on this breed is their milk is six to 10% butterfat cream, while traditional dairy goat like Nubian and other breeds milk is only three to five percent butterfat cream and nigerians will give less milk because they are a smaller breed but i like fat and want fat in my diet especially raw milk fat so it seemed like a no-brainer for my homestead to venture into nigerians and what you will want to consider is the size of the goat if you are thinking about goats nigerians are a smaller goat breed a dwarf breed so i liked the idea because i am a smaller person and want 
wanted a dairy animal, I can easily manage, keep in a smaller area and pick up if I need to. There was no way if my cow went down in the field that I'd be able to pick her up. But goats are a different story on that. And breeds like Nubians and La Manchas are larger dairy goats and are lovely, but puts you into the boat of management again. They are bigger, but that might not be an issue for you. I recently met a goat owner who was transitioning from Nigerian dwarfs to the La Manchas and the Nubians because they were bigger and she didn't have to bend over as much as she did with the Nigerians and that was just easier on her as she aged. So keep the size in mind when you are thinking about goats. If they are bigger, can you pick them up? Are they gonna be able to manage for you and your strength? They will be harder on your fences and enclosures, the bigger goats, but they will reward you with more milk. So again, you have to decide personally what breed will work for your space and diet because the Nigerians are smaller. They require less space per animal. And I love that. I have, I already had the perfect little run set up for their enclosure. I let them free range in the summer. I'm working on building some paddocks to rotate that graze them in the summer. So that's on my to-do list. And one thing that deterred me from getting goats as well is the smell of male goats. I was told by so many goat owners that the smell is unbearable and you can't have them near your house and it is not great for the area. I have a good nose, an incredible sense of smell, and I'm sensitive to different aroma shifts. So I thought they wouldn't be a good fit. I'm like, okay, I want a self-sufficient herd and I would love to have a buck, but if they're that stinky, I don't wanna be you know, inundated with a nasty smell. Of course, keeping a bull for your dairy cow or a buck for your dairy goat isn't necessary. You can rent a buck when the time comes for breeding or drop your does off with a buck when they are ready to be bred. The problem with this is that you will then no longer have a closed herd, meaning your herd is sectioned off from the outside world and you can open your herd up to the possibility of disease. If you rent a buck, where has that buck been? Have the other herds been tested for disease? Does the buck owner test the buck between breedings? Like who the heck knows? If you drop your girls off somewhere to be bred, is it a clean farm? Who comes and goes? The dairy goat farms I got my girls from would not let me around the goats. And if I was to be around them, I had to sanitize my shoes, wash my hands. And this procedure is in place to help prevent the spread of disease among their herds. And another thing to consider is without a male, you do not have a self-sufficient herd. So you would have to do one of these options. You can't breed your girls without a male. My goal is self-sufficiency, so getting a buck made sense to me, but how was I supposed to overcome the smell that everybody has said that it's just been atrocious? Well, I ended up getting a male goat and I quickly discovered that yes, they do smell. Male goats urinate on themselves to smell better for the ladies. Weird, but whatever works. And I also discovered that they do not smell as bad as I feared. If I touch the male goat to move them, my hand would smell and it is hard to wash out, not gonna lie, but it was nothing that was unbearable. Of course, this will vary from animal to animal, but I've had two males now and both of them have been the same. They stink, but I can be out there just fine with no sensory 
dairy issues. So don't let smell issues detour you. That is something you could ask the breeder you're getting them from. If they know the goat, like is their stench unbearable? The next issue that scared me from goats is how they are notoriously known for being escape artists and getting out of their enclosures. Yes, they absolutely will if you have crappy fencing and didn't take the time to secure it. Do they escape if you have proper fencing and regular check on it to ensure it is stable and intact? No, the people who complain about goats escaping are the ones who simply don't have secure fencing. Don't place logs or, you know, toys near borders of the fence because they can jump over the fencing. One of my goats learned how to open their gates, so now, now I have to lock it. But I have no security issues when I set up proper fencing. Proper fencing means T-posts with hog panels. You can run a hot wire along the top if it's an issue. If you have goats that have horns intact, be careful as their horns can get caught in fencing. Hog panel squares are small enough a goat can't stick their head through, so that is why it is ideal. In my experience, I was told that cows respect fences, they touch the hot fence, and they are done. Well, that isn't always the case. I had more escapes of cows with hot fencing than I have with goats with T-posts and paneling. Again, this goes back to your setup and what is ideal for you, your land, and what you feel comfortable with. Another thing about goats that I have discovered that is more of a pain than caring for cows is that they are incredibly finicky, meaning they require special minerals. Cows do too. You need a cow mineral for them, but I have discovered when it comes to minerals and products for goats, they get the short end of the stick when it comes to commercial minerals and hay. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they're just not as common as cows, like cows reign supreme here, at least in the United States. Copper and selenium are going to be the biggest mineral deficiencies that you will battle, most likely. You will need to supplement with proper mineral that has what they need, plus more. For example, when I had started, I got a specific mineral labeled as goat mineral from a reputable livestock mineral place. I had used this name brand for my dairy cow. It was amazing. It is what the dairy had used where I'd gotten her from and they were organic and they, you know, they had this like special dairy mix that they had crafted from this brand. And so I'm like, okay, it was really great for my dairy cow. I'm going to try their goat mineral. Well, I consulted with the dairy goat breeder I got my girls from who is extremely knowledgeable on goat minerals and goat health. And she informed me that the mineral was not sufficient for goats, even though it was labeled as goat mineral and many goat owners she had assisted with, she does herd consultations, they were using that mineral and had serious birth defects, pregnancy issues, and health problems due to the mineral not providing what goats actually needed. And it was labeled for goats. She suggested for trail mineral, which is what I use. I use specifically the grazer's choice with copper. If you have sheep, you wouldn't want to use this because sheep are sensitive to copper and it can kill them. With minerals, everything was great with my herd until winter hit and my girls started to exhibit copper deficiency. Their coats faded and some began to get fishtails where their tails separate and look like a fish fin. And fading is when a black goat goes to like a red brown. My orange copper girl uh, faded to a cream. I scratched my head and wondered how is this happening because they have mineral with copper. Upon further research, I learned 
learned that my well water is abundant with calcium, which is an antagonist for copper and can prevent absorption. Other minerals that can do this are iron, sulfur, and I also learned alfalfa hay, which is great for does and milk because it increases milk production, has molybdenum. I'm not sure if I'm even saying that right, but that is also a copper antagonist. They had switched from pasture to hay for the winter months, and that's when the copper deficiency presented itself. As you can see, their coat can give you a warning sign of what's going on in their system. I began monitoring this and noticed balding on some of their noses, which also means copper deficiency. To combat this, I administered copper boluses, which are vegetable capsules full of copper rods that deposit in the rumen and slowly release copper over time. And this is another one of those examples where people said online that administering the capsules was a horrible experience because you have to get the capsule down their throat and is upsetting for the owner and the goat. And I discovered that my goats didn't care at all with the injector. I used, which is just an animal pill inserter. I put them in the stanchion, put the pill in the injector and just put it down their throats. They were fine. And it's crazy because you can read so much online. You're gonna have an individual experience, but all these things might detour and scare you from getting goats like it did for me. Because you go online and read these crazy experiences. They're horrible with fencing. And it's so scary with the, the pill inserter giving them copper. It really wasn't in my experience, but Keep in mind, I spend a lot of time with my goats. I give them treats daily. I talk to them, you know, so I have a relationship with my animals and I would encourage that for you to have a relationship with your animals because then they can trust you. And this probably would be a traumatic experience for an animal who doesn't trust you and you are shoving something in their mouth. For my male goats, I opened up the capsules and poured them into the middle of a Fig Newton and they were happy to eat the Newton, no issues at all. So now I just give little pieces of Fig Newton to my goats as little treats. So next time I have to give them any copper, they will happily take the Fig Newton. I have discovered an even better mineral solution for my goats than just a free choice general loose mineral. And that is having a mineral buffet. That means having individual minerals out for them to graze on. During different times of the year, they may need a larger amount of one mineral so they can get that mineral without overdoing it on other minerals like they would in an all-in-one mineral. I haven't set up the buffet yet, but it does really sound like a good solution. I have the minerals, but it will require 10 different mineral feeders. So it will be a project for spring when I can get into their enclosure closure, clean it out, and just set it up. For example, if my girls were feeling like they needed a lot of copper, they will consume lots of free choice for trail mineral, but that has the potential to overload them on a mineral they didn't need. With a mineral buffet, they can pick and choose individual minerals, which is so cool. Once I have this set up and running, I'll do some blogs and maybe a podcast with my discoveries, so this might be an option for you too. Another element of go keeping that you don't have to worry about with dairy cows really is parasite management. Goats are susceptible to parasites and if not treated, they will die. You can treat them with medicines from your vet or local feed store, or you can go the herbal route. I prefer the herbal route of a mixture of black walnut, cinnamon, cloves, and other herbs like garlic. And I give a mixture of herb powder and molasses to my goats weekly for maintenance. If you live in a wet or marshy area, you will want to treat more often and keep an eye on their worm load. 
episode. This is something that you don't have to worry with cows as much, but once under control, you can figure it out with whatever route you choose. A great way to just see how their general health is and worm load is you pull down their lower eyelid and see what color it is. You want to see, you know, bright pink and red, lots of blood flow. If it is more pale or white, that means they have something going on, a large worm load that needs to be dealt with pronto. That's called the Famancha test when you look at their lower eyelids. So keep this in mind, keep an eye on it. it, helps you look at their overall health. And just know this does vary from animal to animal. One of my girls runs more pale than the other girls, even though I know her worm load is low. So just keep in mind, goats are finicky health-wise, but once you have a system and understand their individual needs, you are smooth sailing for the most part. And now let's get to the milk. One of my most commonly asked goat questions is, what does goat milk taste like? I feel like goats have such a bad reputation when it comes to milk. I have a theory this is just a rumor to steer people away from goat's milk because of how healing and replenishing it is. I much prefer goat's milk well my goat's milk anyway, I have had a lot, and I mean a lot, of raw milk from different cows, and different cows have different flavors. Sounds crazy, but they do. Some are more strong than others, and the flavoring of the milk also depends on diet and what the animal eats. So taste of raw milk all boils down to the individual animal and their diet. My neighbor's dairy cow got into some rotten weeds, and they had to toss the milk out for a week while it worked through her system because it just made the milk sour and not smell nice. My dairy cow had a distinct flavor of milk that I enjoyed, but my goats, wow, wow, wow. Their milk is smooth, creamy with no strong flavor. I am absolutely in love. I love their milk. Goats just get this reputation of having a grassy flavor. That isn't the case at all with my goats at least. Of course, they are on a premium diet of pasture, organic hay, and minimal grains and treats. If I do give treats, most of the time it's just herbal treats of sorts. And I love, love goat milk and think everyone should try it. I do believe that if I fed my goats like goat feed or an all stock feed from the feed store or even low quality hay, their milk would taste different. You are what you eat and I don't want to eat junk, so why... Would I feed my goats junk? Because that's just going to come right to me. So keep that in mind. Diet plays a huge role. In this case, I don't want to drink nasty flavored milk. So I focus on high quality feed, minerals, and supplements. I will give my goats grains only when they are in milk at the milking stanchion. I give them a grain ration that I make myself with kelp, alfalfa pellets, and other goodies to help boost their milk production and get them excited for the milking stand, especially as I'm training new girls. I haven't milked my girls all winter, but they will still beg to come to the stanchion because they have high hopes for grain. Aside from foods and minerals, another aspect and the last aspect I will touch on in this podcast today about keeping goats is shelter. They need at minimum a three-sided shelter to shield from the wind, rain, and snow drifts. I would even go as far as say that a four-sided is optimal with a door as long as there's good airflow and doesn't accumulate stagnant air if you live in a cold area like me. We had a harsh cold snap and I couldn't imagine my girls just standing there with one side of the shelter open. I know goats are tough and roam the mountaintops, but these are little homestead goats and should be pampered 
pampered in my opinion. Actually, one last thing that I want to touch on is how much space do you need for having a Nigerian dwarf, specifically the breed that I have. And some people will say, as I was researching, uh, about 50 square feet. So that is a 10 by five enclosure. I would say absolutely no. Um, they need space to roam. They are so happy when they're out roaming about, but I don't think that a single goat needs a thousand square feet. So I would just consider how many goats you have and then what you feel comfortable with, because keep in mind, if you keep your goats in a small area and they are not able to free range and go about, and it is going to require more work for you because you're going to have to go clean the area and then they will be more susceptible to the parasites if they're not able to rotate in pastures. So you can get away with a smaller area, but keep in mind the happiness of the goats. They are going to want to go and roam around and absolutely get a minimum of two goats because they are herd animals. They want to be with another companion and have somebody to hang out with. So I would say have at least 500 square feet fenced for your two goats. And I know that might sound like a lot, but man, keeping a goat or multiple goats like I've seen in these small enclosures, it's just going to lead to disease, unhappy animals, and a lot more work for you. But you can get away in a small area, a backyard with two smaller sized goats like the Nigerians. I think 500 square feet is generous and could be applied to other goat breeds, but as you grow your herd, you will want to grow your size and keep it as a manageable size. It is so easy to just get tons of goats because they are absolutely amazing. Well, I hope this podcast helped you on your journey to learning more about goat keeping and if dairy goats are right for you. I love my goats and would recommend them to anyone with ample space and the right setup. I'm confident that you would love them too. So thank you so much for spending your time with me and I will see you next time. Bye.